coming in as Loom. Hill Dyke centered it. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, this hour is underway on a Friday, March 10th. Welcome to the Scotiabank Saddledome in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Be proactive in protecting your property. Get a full security audit from Calgary Lock and Safe. Visit Calgary Lock and Safe. Com. It's Pat Steinberg with Aaron Vickers. Hello, Vicks. Patrick, how are we? It's good. I'm, Ooh, I'm coming good. in hot. Oh, there you go. You're always hot. Thanks, uh, buddy. Aaron Vickers with us this hour, and uh, it's time to go inside hockey to kick off the hour for Calgary Co-op. Calgary's is the only family of products curated for the taste of Calgarians, and you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. Of course, Flames Talk, available wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, one of our most popular hours every week is the hour that kicks off with Eric Frank. Francis Fridays and uh, Sportsnet's Eric Francis joins us right now. Franchise, uh, first of all, how are you doing? It's good to have you on the program. It's great to be on the program. And boy, I enjoyed, uh, I did the morning show with George Russick this morning. And like, what, is it ever, what a thrill to work with you know, real radio professionals. You know, it really is, uh, it makes it <laughs> Are you, makes are you it referring easy. to us or them? <laughs> Not us. Georgie boy. Okay. <laughs> Just just ask George. He he has he's forgotten more about radio than I have ever even been able to read. Yeah, I'm just kidding. You know what? You guys are okay too. We, I mean, we hack and slash our way through. Uh, we do our. It was yeah, nice of them to. It was nice of them to bring you on on a Friday. We've only been doing Eric Francis Fridays for the last 15 years. Nice of them to spread it out. That was real, real nice of our uh, team player morning show. I was super happy about that. I'm just kidding. I look forward to our uh, our chat every Friday. Whether you've uh, two timed me on, on me or not, I'm still happy to have you on. Uh, well, what? I okay. At, I don't look at it that way. I don't look at it that way. Did your truck? <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I'm okay with that. I I, I can be it okay worked, with that. It worked. It worked for Will Smith. Oh wait, no, it didn't actually. I don't know what's going on. I'm gonna slap you on camera one day so hard, <laughs> and you keep my show's yeah, name out of your mouth, Francis. Um, <laughs> Where are we, boys? Uh, first of all, we're at the Scotiabank Saddledome. That's one. Uh, number two, where are we on this team? And I, I, before we get into our belief on it, I want to get into the just your uh, overall impressions. We were all here Friday morning after morning skate. Uh, we all saw what happened on this road trip. So where are we in terms of what our observations are of the way this Flames team is carrying themselves compared to the way that they were perhaps going about their business prior to these last two games. What what have we observed, Eric? Well, I, I asked a lot of players and, and Ryan Huska this today, like, you know, has anything changed? Because obviously in the eyes of the media and the fans, I, I would say that it's pretty fair to say that Things have changed in the eyes of all of us. Like, oh, wait, maybe they got a chance. Maybe there is a heartbeat. You know, they all say nothing's changed. Um, the only Their attitude, their approach is exactly the same. You know, uh, we're confident. Uh, we have to approach it the same way. It's do or die. What's different, of course, is the mood. 
right? The mood in that room. That They finally were reward, yeah. rewarded with sticking with it and playing well. And listen, I would say to you of the last seven games, I would say five or six of them they've had incredibly good efforts. The only one I'm singling out is not that good was the Saturday they got booed off the ice against Minnesota. We all, they all, we all agreed it was not up to standards. And, and hey, they were outplayed in Minnesota too just the other night, but they, they came away with the win. They finally got a little puck luck, guys. I mean, I can't believe they overturned that call in overtime. You know, after watching it, you know, 10 times, I guess I realize, I, I get what they're com- where they're coming from. To me, that's a precedent-setting case uh, where it actually has to be on your tape. I know the McCarr situation is somewhat similar, but anyway, that was a that was a that was puck luck. There's no other way to put it. Now, call it lucky or not, I, it was just it finally got something to go their way, and that's really lightened the mood and made them feel even better. And they've got to feel really good about going into the game tonight. They feel like they're on even ground, even though they're four points back. Mm-hmm. The other team is sinking. The, the other team, Winnipeg, is sinking faster than the Flames are. And you're on even ground, and you play them once more, and your schedule's easier. There's a lot of reasons to be optimistic if you're in that Flames dressing room. I think fans are starting to feel certainly a whole lot better than they did three, four nights ago. Yeah, I think the room was certainly more optimistic, certainly lighter than when they left on that road trip. I don't know if I'm necessarily buying stock just yet. Even though they are trending up, they still are behind. They still have that deficit. They do play Winnipeg, as you said, franchise one more time, so that's a four-point game there but I'm not really ready to shove the chips all in and declare this team ready to bowl their way towards the playoffs. I need to see something more than back-to-back wins. This team hasn't won more than three all season long. They haven't won three in a row since I think December 3rd to December 7th, somewhere in that range. So until you put together a three, four, five game win streak in my books, you're not quite there yet. Look, I, I, I get that. Um, I definitely have noticed a different demeanor from the group. There's no doubt about it. They just, even, even guys and, and, and Francis, we talked a little bit about this on Thursday's show when, uh, when we were, we were at Cowboys doing the show and, and, you know, it just seemed like, I don't know if you noticed this, but it just seemed like even in Dallas and Minnesota prior to things going their way, prior to to Foley scoring with less than seven seconds to go and prior to the, the overtime winner getting called back, all that type of stuff, um, I, I, I definitely noticed they were playing a little bit looser. They looked like they were playing in quicksand and playing sad hockey with the weight of the world on their shoulders on Saturday uh, here at the Dome against Minnesota. And that was ugly. They they got ran out of the building. They got booed out of the building. And it felt like, it felt like to me, that had the chance to be a turning point. And, and maybe I, I – again, I, I'm always – cognizant of confirmation bias and you know thinking something might happen and then oh well I that could have that that's that must be because of what I thought I don't know if this is the case but I do wonder if that game against Minnesota guys was kind of a, a rock bottom type scenario and you kind of take the pressure off the shoulders reset the mindset because they looked like a much looser team in the two games they just played on the road yeah I I guess I could see that. I, I, I just think they've played really good hockey of late. Like, they, they didn't get any rewards other than the odd loser point, you know, in their preview in that five-game losing streak. But I thought they played damn good hockey. I mean, guys, all we have to do is point to that Boston game is that that, yes. that moment that almost yes. symbolized the season. You know, it just proved you don't need to outplay someone. You just got to get that big save and that big goal. And that's what this coach has been talking about all year long. You either need one or the other or both if you're going to win a lot of games. 
and they were getting neither. And they finally got the big goal, and they finally got a bunch of big saves on this, these last two games. So I, I'm with Vixie. Like, hey, I'm not buying stock in them quite yet either. They've, they've broken everybody's hearts in this city all season long. Mm-hmm. And every single time when you think they're finally going to go on that run that every team goes in. Like, I bet you, I bet you Columbus has – more than a three-win streak at some point this year. Maybe that's a bad example, but oh, you might like, be right. I guarantee there, yeah, I guarantee there are teams below the Flames in the standings that have gone on longer than three-game win streaks, and so you just keep thinking that it's going to happen. It's going to happen, and the Flames have done it, you know, every year for the last ten years. They always, everyone goes on at least one good binge, but uh, unfortunately for them, their binges have always been bad this year, and uh, you know, I'm ready to, I'm ready to believe. Shame on me, I guess, but. I'm ready to believe that they're going to make a real, a real show out of this. Like that, you know. I think before that road trip, I was thinking, geez, mathematically they may be eliminated in the next two weeks or so. But now I'm not willing to. Th- I, I don't think that. Mm-hmm. I think they've weathered a bit of a storm here. Uh, they bounced back from losing five in a row to win two rough, two tough road games, and I think they deserve credit for that. We'll see where they go from here, but I think they could stay in this race a lot longer than I previously thought. So. Let me ask you this. Are you more confident about the Flames being able to ascend and get where they need to go based on their merit, or are you more confident in Winnipeg kind of frittering away what was a larger lead only a, a week or so ago? Are, are we more confident in the Flames doing what they need to do or confident in the Jets not getting the job they need to get done? I, that's a really interesting question. I, you know, I. Oh, I thank I, you. Do you get that on the morning show? <laughs> no, no. The, the the hope that just sprung for all these fans stems yes from two wins by the Calgary Flames. But if the Winnipeg Jets had even played 500 hockey, I'm sorry, but this is over. Like I'm when I say 500 hockey, I mean in their last 10, uh, they got two more wins. Then this is not this is not happening. So. I would say that you're probably wiser to put more faith in them collapsing than the Calgary Flames piecing together. At one point, I think when they had 20 wins, 20 games to go, we all figured they'd have to win at least 14 of them. Well, I'm not sure they have to win at that clip anymore because I think we all have a lot more faith that Winnipeg's slide is real and they don't seem to be getting out of it anytime soon. So I'd answer by saying the latter. You put a little more faith in them continuing to slide because if they don't continue to slide, then, then the Flames aren't gaining on them no matter how good they play. Yeah, the stoppable force and the movable object kind of situation. I don't want to put it on that, but as you mentioned, the Winnipeg Jets over the last 10 games or so have played somewhere around 385 hockey. That's not necessarily inspiring when you're going into you know the meat of the schedule the last quarter of the season. Having said that, outside of the back-to-back wins, which were critical and crucial for the Calgary Flames, Calgary wasn't necessarily world beaters as well, but before you were looking at well if you transcend what the not transcend if you extrapolate what the jets have been doing all season long then the calgary flames needed to play at a 750 pace in order to move one point ahead because winnipeg has all the tiebreakers well then it rolled back to about 720 then 710 then 705 and now all of a sudden you're looking and going okay well the flames have a lot more runway than we initially anticipated courtesy of some faltering by the jets i i it's funny because I think the Jets are. I think the Jets were um, maybe a little over their heads for where they were earlier. 
I just looking at some of their underlying numbers, watching them play a lot. Uh, I, I felt like the Jets were winning games on the back of Connor Hellebuck and winning games where they weren't great in the first half of the season. And I, I, I've always kind of been a little skeptical of them as a Western Conference powerhouse. And so now I wonder if we are talking about Winnipeg coming back down to earth. In saying that, I don't think that they're a 300 points percentage team either, which is what they've been for the last three weeks or so. So I think at some point they become better than a 300 points percentage team. And and if, they, if they're if they a 500, 550 team, to your point, it's, a, it's an uphill climb still for Calgary. Not a unscalable climb, but still one where they've got to play some pretty good hockey. And, and guys, they... If, if it's 705 or 700 that they've got to play, well, they haven't played that at all this year. They, they've barely played, you know, even stretches of 10 and 11 games, they haven't been able to get to 700 hockey. So I'm not saying they can't do it. I want them to do it. We all we all realize it's way better when this team's in the playoffs. And so absolutely I'd rather them be able to start changing the narrative here. But it is going to be a, a difficult thing for them to do. Oh, it, of course it is. They, they've dug a, a significant hole and but, you know, they do play Winnipeg. Winnipeg's schedule is significantly harder than the Calgary yes. Flames. For what that's worth. For what that's worth. We, we know the Flames have stumbled against some bottom feeders. Um, I would say that tonight, tonight's game for the Flames is, you know, I hate the must-win cliche, but this is the one you got to win of the next three for sure, I would say, because, you know, Sunday you're playing against the Red Hot Senators, and they've always had trouble for whatever reason against the Ottawa Senators. And then you play... In a tough building to play, I really do think that, you know, in, in Arizona against a team that's really playing quite loose and free right now and playing pretty good hockey as well. So I, this is the game that, to me, put it this way, if they lose tonight, um, that'll be one of those games where we'll probably look back and say, well, there's the stake in the heart that we were kind of waiting right. for or worried about. Because um, you can only lose these, these, these easy bottom feeder games so many times before you're going to play your way out of the playoffs. And maybe the Flames have already done that glaring one if they were to drop this one. And, uh, you know, another thing going in the Flames' favor when it comes to uh, Winnipeg, you know, Dubois hurt now, and I don't know how bad it's going to be. You know, he had a lower body injury the other day, and then he left the last game with an upper body injury. So, you know, I don't know what to read into any of that, but he's been a significant part of their team this year. And guys like Kyle Connor and Shifley, are kind of the heartbeat of that team, and they haven't been going great guns lately either, which is very rare. So there's a lot of reasons to believe that, uh, you know, the Calgary Flames can build some, uh, you know, make up a little bit of the gap in the next couple of days because the Jets' two games, they play both Florida teams over their next two games in Florida. That is not going to be easy. you got a Lightning team that's desperately trying to get back on the rails, and you got a Panthers team that's fighting for its life. Like, mm-hmm. it's man, I'd much rather be a Flames fan than a Winnipeg Jets fan this weekend anyway. Yeah, you touch on it, and that's strength of schedule. Calgary, according to Tankathon, has the easiest schedule of the 32 teams remaining, including three against Anaheim, one getting cashed in Friday night, two against San Jose, two against Vancouver, a single against the Chicago Blackhawks, and then you go and take a look at the Winnipeg Jets, and you ran through what they have lately. They also have the Boston Bruins, Carolina Hurricanes, New Jersey Devils, Los Angeles Kings, Minnesota Wild. They've got the 16th. Uh, wow. artist. And they're, they're smack dab in the middle, but you start naming through some of those teams. But credit to Derek Wills. Flames are 13-11-5 against teams that are, are not in the playoffs right now. That's something that the Calgary Flames have to absolutely fix. Never mind the Winnipeg Jets. Yep. The Calgary Flames have to make hay when the sun is shining. They haven't necessarily done that. Yep. 
sure. Yeah. For sure. To have a losing record against teams out of the playoffs, you know, there's an interesting stat I'll get my stat guys to look into. But, like, what – you know, how many teams make the playoffs when they have a losing record against non-playoff teams? Not many. And uh, they're going to have yeah. to fix that over the next little while, and they'll get that chance. Uh, it's Eric Francis Fridays. Francis from Sportsnet with Vickers and Steinberg here on this hour of Flames Talk. We're inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Um, what's gotten into Jacob Markstrom, guys? I'm just Francis. What have your observations been of number 25? I'm not going to go into the whole kid thing. I mean, that's that's a ridiculous theory, but it is clearly a correlation from the day he had his child to the to, to his improved play. Uh, I don't think there's a reason why that those two things are bridged, but uh, at the end of the day, the last five games, he's been the Jacob Markstrom uh, that they signed him $6 million times six years to be. And there was never any doubt to me that he was going to bounce back. Like all this talk, I kept saying on this spot here, like talk of trading Jacob Markstrom is asinine. Uh, He's not washed up. His career's not over. I'm not sure I was necessarily going to believe that he was going to turn it around this year. He was running out of time and he was trending so poorly, but Surely moving forward next year, the year after, whatever, he's going to be just fine. Uh, they needed to be more than just fine if they're going to you know, continue this narrative and, and get back in this race. But uh, credit to him, man. I mean, it's, it's been horrific. And you even interview, you know, we talked to Troy Stetcher today. We talked to Caudry. You talk to anybody. And when they're asked about Markstrom, they have to say, you know, well, that's the market we know and love and we knew we'd get back at some point. He wasn't himself before that. Like, even Markstrom's the first to tell you he was nowhere near what he needed to be. Everyone in the room will tell you the same thing. You could almost say they weathered that storm, and here they are still having a chance at the playoffs, despite some of the worst goaltending in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be nowhere, nowhere to go but up for Jacob Markstrom. Good sign for him. I give him credit. They, it's been a horrific season for that guy, and to bounce back now has got to be feeling just a tiny bit better for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure the correlation equals causation thing on becoming a new dad, but over the course of his last four games, he's got a 2.21 goals against average and a 936 save percentage. More closer to the numbers that he posted last season as a Vesna runner-up than he did through the first you know, three quarters of the season this year. Coming out of the All-Star break, the Calgary Flames collectively had the worst goaltending in the NHL in terms of team save percentage. Well, that's changed yep. over the course of the last four games, and Jacob Markstrom is the number one reason for it. Finally, the Calgary Flames had a goalie steal a game for him in that one nothing shootout win. It's up to him to make sure it's not just four games, though. This needs to be game five, game six, game seven, building through however many starts he has remaining here. Yeah, they, uh, like, look, he's... Yo, go ahead, go ahead, Francis. I, I talk enough. I just, I'm sorry, I, want, I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but I was just going to say, like, guys, can I just throw out there, like, I would be surprised if Dan Vladar plays more than two games for the rest of the yep. year, and I wouldn't be surprised if Markstrom plays every single game from now till the end of the year. And, and we may get a taste of that starting next week when we're in, what, we're L.A. and Anaheim back-to-back next Monday and Tuesday. I wouldn't be surprised if you see Markstrom for both of those. I, just, I, th- I still think you got to manage that workload. I still think he... It's it's been pretty well proven that his his play drops if he's overworked, and even though they need wins, I still think Vladar needs to be a factor in the final seventeen. And and we've seen him be a very good backup before. It's not like he doesn't know how to be a good backup. I know that when he had the opportunity, maybe to seize this thing and take the ball and run with it, he didn't do it on his first attempt. But 
Dan Vladar has proven that he can win games on this team, and and I just think that overworking Markstrom, even when you're in a stretch like this and games are as important as this, I still think you need to have Dan Vladar be a factor too. Yeah, I agree, and I haven't lost faith in the guy, and I don't think many fans have, but I can tell you that uh, Daryl Sutter clearly has. Yeah, I think, and and I'm not saying that you're wrong. I just worry about it. I think that it would be, I think it would be worrisome if we're talking about him going 17 of 17 down the stretch. That's all I would say about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, yeah, to that point, it was very clear when Daryl Sutter said we need Marky to get hot and basically saying this is the guy we're going to ride the rest of the way and whether we win and get in or we lose and we don't, we're going to do so on the back of Jacob Markstrom. I think that's as telling as anything where, okay, you can expect this guy to play. I'm Honestly, I would project 15, at least 15, maybe 16, and yeah. you manage him via practice, you manage him via off days, and you just hope that he holds up under that intense workload because that is a sprint to the finish line for your starting goaltender. Yep. Uh, last one, boys. Does uh, short of the season ending and him going to play with the Wranglers in their uh, quest for the Calder Cup playoffs, does uh, Jacob Pelche ever see the American League again? Does he ever see the AHL based on merit and the way he's playing again? No, no, I can't imagine that. I mean, you know, so much will be – we don't know who the general manager is going to be next year. We don't know if this team's going to go to a, a rebuild. Uh, there are a lot of questions. My, you know, guess, my guess is they don't go into a rebuild, and that's fine. Still, this is a guy who will come to camp next year and prove once again that – you know, he's an exciting player. He, he deserves a spot from opening night on. Uh, it's funny, I had a talk with him on the road about that. I said, "Are you, do you consider yourself an NHLer now? Like, And he said, well, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> I said, no, I mean, like, like you're, you're, you know, you're here for good. And uh, good on him, he says, you know, well, that's up to me, isn't it? He says, like, I got to keep proving it on a nightly basis that I deserve to stay here. And that's the right attitude. And uh, I think the one thing that we have to say about Kelce uh, that almost tops the list of reasons why people are cheering for him is because I do think he has the right attitude. And so uh, I don't think he'll allow himself to drop into a position where he would be even considered to go down to the minors. Yeah, I had a conversation with him leading up to the deadline because I kind of wanted the perspective of what a 21-year-old rookie is feeling heading into the deadline when there's talks about the Calgary Flames maybe looking at adding a top nine forward, which has probably hit the spot that he's been inhabiting. And I also asked him, you know, have you been, it was kind of weird because remember when the AHL team wasn't in Calgary, basically the players told, get a place in Calgary. Well, the AHL team's in Calgary, so you're not specifically told, hey, get a, get a different apartment or why don't you get a more expensive apartment? I, I kind of asked him, I'm like, have you been told you're staying? You can't really use that if you've been told to get a place here, but have you been told you're staying? And he basically said, no, but it's up to me to stay here. Again, 100% the right attitude. Tough to find an analogy to be asking, you know, have you been told your spot is safe? And again, that was leading into the deadline when so many things could have happened, may or may not have happened with transactions. I don't know what the status is now, but at the end of the day, it's up to him to determine. And whether the Flames make the playoffs or not, if they're in, there's not a chance he plays another NHL game or AHL game to me, pardon me. If they miss the playoffs, 
then he's just going to go lead the Wranglers to a Calder Cup final. Yeah, that's 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 the next time that he plays in the American League is if he get in gets into the Calder Cup playoffs. And yeah, Francis, I think the way you put it, he comes to he'll come to training camp next year, and he will have a I don't know if it'll be an indelible marker, but he'll have in in pretty uh, pretty heavy lead pencil that he's on the opening day roster, and and he's going to have to play himself out of that spot to start next training camp. I I think this reminds me a lot of young players that we see in the league that aren't necessarily superstars, but guys who are good hockey players. They spend their time in the American League, and when they're ready, they get their chance, and he he was ready, and he has made the best of his opportunity. I know the points don't jump off the page to you, but he's a young player, and points have never been the area that, you know, the Flames looked at him and said that's going to be his biggest strong suit. He is, his details, his hockey IQ, his tenacity, all that type of stuff, that's what's kept him in the NHL for 20 consecutive games, and it's what I think will keep him in the NHL for the the rest of his career. Yeah, yeah, I think so, and I don't think anybody would disagree that if this team doesn't make the playoffs, that a Calder Cup run of any sort would benefit him tremendously. For sure. Down yeah. there and be an absolute leader. That's where he'd be, they'd be counting on him to get at least a point a game and carry that team, be a leader emotionally, be a leader, you know, offensively, be a leader def- defensively. Like that would be, I know Gerald Sutter would be thrilled if he went back there and, and went through the rigors of an AHL playoff for sure. And I don't think anybody would think that it was a bad idea. So, you know, it's a win-win for, for Jacob Pelche kind of no matter what happens here. Uh, and, and, and isn't it just a great story? Like, you know, you guys know, I just went and grabbed him today and had a chat with him. He's, he's one of about three guys who hang around in that locker room because they don't mind chatting with the media. They want, they, they're soaking up the atmosphere. They're soaking up the experience. Dubé's another guy. They all remind me of Michael Froelich who would just sit there, you know, for hours if he, if he wanted to just, just hanging around the dressing because he just loved being an NHL hockey player. And that's kind of cool because that'll fade. Uh, but it, but it might take a couple of years for Pelche to fade. He is pretty uh, difficult guy not to cheer for. Thanks, <laughs> franchise. Uh, we'll see you soon. See you, boys. Have a great weekend. He's uh, you as well. He's Eric Francis from Sportsnet, and he joins us Fridays on Eric Francis Fridays, which just happens to be uh, our look inside hockey this hour for Calgary Co-op with new product families, member rewards, and sale events. You'll find more quality, more savings in every department every day at Calgary Co-op. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite. NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Steinberg and Vickers with you this hour as we continue along from the Dome and the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. You uh, you must be writing a story on Jacob Pelche. My powers of deduction have uh, led me to a, a story on Jacob Pelche coming out of the uh, fingers of Aaron Vickers one day soon. Am I, am I on to something at all? Your investigative reporting is unrivaled in the market, Patrick. Were you asking yesterday too, or is it just? No, I wasn't there okay, yesterday. Okay. 
you're like you're always there for me. It's like you're always so I don't. I'll be your shoulder. Not here. It's like you're here oh, anyway. Yeah. Um. So after morning skate, Friday after morning skate, Flames getting set for the Anaheim Ducks. We spoke to Troy Stetcher and we spoke to Nazem Kadri and we spoke to Dylan Dubé and Ryan Huska. Correct. I even spoke to Manage a little bit too. Oh, so you're just all over oh, this yeah. right now. Oh yeah. You've just you've really enjoyed the I've cornered the market. Enthusiasm. <laughs> you you really like the the enthusiasm and and the the He's, I don't know just the straight up joy and happiness this guy gets from playing in the NHL. It's something that you really wanted to to dive a little bit deeper on. Hey, he's the most interesting man on the Calgary Flames, and the fact that he is just recently turned twenty two. I believe it was his birthday in the last forty eight hours. He yes, it is, was his birthday. He uh, he played on his birthday yes, on Tuesday. He is nineteen games into his NHL career, and he's trying to rally. 32-year-old veterans that have over 800 games in the NHL and a Stanley Cup ring hiding somewhere in their house. He is patting guys on the back. He is tossing out words of encouragement. He's trying to pick up Elias Lindholm after a goal, and which is one of the funniest Flames-related gifts you'll come across this season. Yeah, it was pretty good. He is more excited for Pat Steinberg to score a goal than he is himself. Like He is just absolutely the epitome of a bundle of joy when he's on the ice playing the game. So how can you not want to dig in, maybe peel back an onion or two, get some takes from teammates on how this guy who just showed up on the scene in January was a healthy scratch for half a dozen games and then hasn't relinquished a spot since, jumping from the fourth line to in one game the third line, second line. Now he's a shotgun on your first line with Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli. Like, to me, there is no more interesting person slash player on this roster right now than Jacob Pelche with the grin, the laughs, the hugs, the pats, the celebrations. I'm all in on this kid right now because to me it's just it's just hilarious, but it's also just so fun and refreshing to see the personality yeah. shine through in a sport where you don't necessarily get a glimpse too much into a player's personality. Yeah, it uh, it's it's pretty neat. Let's uh, first listen. You uh, you asked a couple questions to Nazem Kadri about Jacob Pelche today. Now, on a little bit of a different note, you've been on the receiving end of a couple of head pats and encouraging words from Jacob Pelche. Just how energizing is it to see that kind of thing out of a 22-year-old? Uh, for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, he's he's young. He definitely, that's uh, one of his responsibilities right now is to bring the energy, and he does a great job at that. Pelts is a great kid, and he's a good player. And, um, you know, he wants uh, wants the team to do well, and that's, uh, you know, that's that's definitely an important component to have. And, I think in thinking that way, you're gonna have your own. You're gonna find your own success too. So, uh, yeah, it's good for him. Does anybody love seeing a goal go in, whether it's his or a teammates more than him? Uh yeah, I probably the fans of Calgary. I bet on <laughs> that's uh, that'd be fair to say. But you know, felt he's he's exciting. He's a funny kid. He's always got a smile on his face. And you know, I don't know if uh, smiling too much is a, is a problem. But you know, certainly Pelts. Uh, you know, likes to enjoy, uh, you know, what we got going on here. And, you know, I think that's uh, that's definitely a positive sign. You got to tell him to rein it in a little bit? Or what? <laughs> yeah. Get a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's, I don't know, is he getting too comfortable? <laughs> we'll see. 20 games. I mean, but, uh, you know, he, he's, he's going to have a lot more under his belt. But, you know, as a young player, you want to always come in and bring that energy. But, you know, kind of stay in your lane a little bit. But I think he, uh, he does a good job at uh, finding that balance. So that's Nazem Kadri talking a little bit about it and, and what Jacob Pelche has brought more off the ice as opposed to on it. And you also asked uh, Ryan Huska, Flames assistant coach, who spoke to us on Friday morning. 
He's infectious. I think I've, I've seen some of the comments from some of the players about having him around. Um, he brings a positive energy to the group. And sometimes when you look at our team, there's a lot of our players, they have kids now. So you go through different um, stages, I guess, in the maturity of your team. And we have a lot of our players that are parents and dads. And when you see a younger guy like Jacob come in with that infectious energy, it's good for them. It puts a smile on their face and makes them laugh a little bit. Uh, and I think he's finding a way to bring out the best in the guys he's playing with. How rare is that for a guy that's got 20 NHL games under his belt? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's rare. It's the way he is. I mean, he's not coming up to change things. I know early on he mentioned that he, he didn't want to overstep his boundary a little bit, but it's just him. It's the way he is. So whether he's playing an American League game or playing in the NHL, he, he likes to bring that energy and, and try to make sure he's in a position where he's playing the right way to allow him to be that way around his teammates. He's a tough guy not to cheer for, man. That's Ryan Huska talking a little bit about Jacob Pelche. He, uh, this text comes in and says, it's a nice story, but now let's see some more production. Well, he's got seven points in 19 games. I don't think Jacob Pelche is ever going to be a guy that produces at a point-per-game level in this league. I think we're talking about him as a, as a really smart, tenacious, detail-oriented middle six winger uh, in the NHL. Maybe a top six guy, maybe a middle six guy, but I think that's probably what we're talking about. So for him to have seven points in 19 games in his first stint in the NHL, I, I don't look at it as if he's been unproductive I, I think that no. you know you're probably looking at him at his peak I don't know like a, a 40 45 point guy in this league that does a lot of good things that that seems to be maybe, maybe I'm underselling the guy I don't know but I, I that, that's kind of that's kind of where I look at him and and what we might be talking about from this young man well what you're going to see out of him I think moving forward is a guy that can play in your top nine whether it's on your de facto first unit second unit third unit and to be perfectly honest, seven points in 19 games for a rookie joining your team in essentially February where mm -hmm. everything starts to ramp up. Those aren't horrible numbers for a guy getting his first taste. I don't want to say dipping his toe into the NHL because he's definitely dived headfirst in. But I don't think you can necessarily be discouraged. And it's not just point totals for him. He's been, he's been exceptional all 200 feet of that ice. There's so many times where he's broken up a play at his own blue line or taking a hit to chip a puck out or turning puck, getting pucks turned over in the neutral zone, heading back to the opposition's goal. I think the production level is something that will gradually improve as he plays more games. But that's not the only element. That's not the only facet of his game you judge him on. And he doesn't get elevated to the top line with Elias Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli by Daryl Sutter, of yeah. all coaches, Daryl Sutter, because of just production. There are elements of his game that are boosting and propping up the other two players on his line throughout the duration here. And there's one thing Ryan Huska said about he didn't want to come in and step on toes and, and this isn't, you know, he didn't come in and change anything. No, this is this is Jacob Pelche. He's what you see is what you get now. He's not putting on an act. He's not trying to be over exuberant. You just think back to um, his time in the QMJHL or his time with Hockey Canada at the World Juniors where he's been at the focal point where he's consoling teammates after a loss where he's really he's really the I don't want to call it bus driver in terms of bringing the energy level up for the Calgary Flames but his value to the team isn't the seven points in 19 games it's becoming an infectious attitude it's lightening the mood in the room it's lightening the mood on the bench it's offering encouragement and that trickles down if you see this rookie come in and try to be this infectious, and not try, but that's just who he is, be this infectious and can brighten the mood, 
suddenly the guy to the left of him and the right of him in the locker room are going to be brighter. And then it spreads all throughout the room, and he's an impossible guy not to root for yep. because of that infectiousness. Um, a few other things. Uh, this text says at 960-960, fans need to stop with these unreachable goals that they've set for these players. Let Pelche grow and develop with time, which I agree with, and I think that, you know, He's even shown in 19 NHL games yeah. some development and some growth, which I think is important to see. Um, I thought Dylan Dubé was was pretty good Friday morning when he was asked about moving to center um, and, and kind of asked about the change and, and moving from being in a top nine role to kind of being this team's number four center. Um, and, and I always appreciate the positive outlook that Dylan Dubé takes on things. This was uh, Dylan Friday after morning skate. It's exciting. I think it's good. I'm, uh, you know, to play center, it's, uh, it's fun. It's a, it's a it's not easy going center. It's hard. It's uh, my lungs hurt pretty bad the first game. There's a lot of, like there's a lot more skating and a lot more battling in your end in the corners, and then to get back up to the ice to support these guys. So it's a fun challenge. It's uh, try to push yourself because you want to you want to fit in that spot and help those guys. I want to win faceoffs for them, get the puck out of our end, and um, you know I don't want to you know waste I didn't want to waste those two three games trying to get used to center it's that challenge of that first shift of being ready to go and helping them so it's uh you know it's a felt good the first two games just need to build off that and I always appreciate Dylan's positivity the outlook that he brings you know Eric talked a little earlier this hour about he's one of those guys that is always just soaking up being in the NHL and is very grateful for where he is he works his tail off he's always one of the fittest guys on this team he's always near the top of the list fitness testing and he's having a career season I get that you're looking for a little bit more speed down the middle I get that maybe the long-term plan is to to use Dylan at center I don't know I just, to see his ice time get cut the way it has, really for, I don't know, to, to make way for Nick Ritchie, who is what he is, I just wonder if you're, you know, cutting off your hand to spare your finger. Like, I, it just, I know that's not the saying. Cut your nose to spite your face? Yeah, I just, I like mine better. Spider face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just... He's on pace for a career high in goals. Yeah. He's already set a career high in points. Yeah. He's one of their top scorers. Yeah. He's one of their most important secondary scoring mm -hmm. options. I just don't think ha cutting his ice time from 14 and a half, 15 minutes down to 12 makes a ton of sense. I don't think taking him off the power play makes a ton of sense. And, and I get that you're trying to see what you've got in Nick Ritchie. I just don't know long term. If this continues for any more than a few more games, I don't know if it's best for the long term for the team because we're talking about a guy who I think helps you win hockey games these days and I think helps you win hockey games more inside your top nine than he does playing the minutes he's playing on your fourth line. First things first, Dylan Dubé has always struck me as a team first guy. If you told 1, him, one thousand percent. If you told him he needed to shovel a pathway from the parking lot to the door, and it would give them a better chance of winning, he'd be out there with his toucan and hauling, hauling at it. But you're right. He's, if I'm not mistaken, he's fourth on the team in goals scored. He's sixth among forwards in points, and to have him on your fourth line and not on the power play. I don't think it's beneficial for the short term. I understand the long-term play here. And after next season, you have two key centers that are unrestricted free agents in Elias Lindholm and Michael Backlund, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. 
So Dylan Dubé down the middle eventually makes sense. He's not necessarily going to get there in a top nine role with those two guys and Nazem Kadri on the roster as is. But to me, this team needs as much scoring as it can. And Dylan Dubé has provided a lot of depth scoring, a lot of secondary scoring for this group. I mean, you can even almost call it primary scoring at this point. If you're fourth in goals and sixth among forwards and points, I think he needs to be put in a position to be productive, to help this team produce goals. You've seen them turn a corner a little bit with their goaltending. So now if you can, you know, produce more than zero goals in a one nothing shutout win by elevating him up the lineup, I think that's the right play. Only Toffoli, Kadri, and Lindholm have scored more goals than yep. he has this year. He's done most of it at even strength. He has 16 of his 17 Where goals does that scored rank? at uh, sorry uh, 13 because he's got two shorties as well. But 13 or sorry 14 of his 17 goals have been scored at uh, at five on five, which I can tell you where it ranks in a second. I just look. I'm, I'm not trying to suggest this is controversial controversial or anything like that. Uh, by the way, second on the team. Only Toffoli yeah. has more even strength goals than Dubé does. And only Toffoli, Lindholm, and Backlund have more five-on-five points than he does at 32. There you go. He, and you go take a look at what he does with his minutes. He's one of the best on the team. And I, I, I just think in the long term, getting him back into the top nine is the way to go. I think the team wins more games with Dylan Dubé in the top nine than they do as his number four, as their number four center. Hypothetically speaking, the Richie experiment on the second line doesn't work. Do you put Dubé there, or do you put him back with Toffoli and Lindholm and move Pelletier back to Hubert Cadre? What's your play? Anywhere. Oh, yep. But probably back with Luch. But not. Uh, sorry, sorry, back with Lindholm. But not the third line. We're, we're content with keeping that together. Backlund's line eternity. stays together 1,000%. Perfect. We're on the same page then. We solved all the problems. Thanks, Vicks. My pleasure. He's Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Be proactive in protecting your property. Get a full security audit from Calgary Lock and Safe. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.